Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome back to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals. We're just going to jump right into the interview here, but before we do, make sure to visit me online at Instagram and Twitter. Visit me at facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review. And now, here we go with Gen Parton Shin. My guest today got my attention after I watched several videos of himself and his friends performing Hamilton songs translated expertly, I might say, to Japanese. He was Angel in the original Japanese production of Rent and has numerous additional credits, including Next to Normal, Rocky Horror, Miss Saigon, and even on TV on the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. His credits have allowed him to perform all around the world. He seems like he has such an interesting life growing up, which we're going to get into right now. Gen Parton Shin, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Uh, no problem. Gosh, you your background is so unusual. And I was reading on your website that where were you? You were growing up in London, Seoul, Tokyo, Philadelphia, Philly, New York, yeah, New York. Like, yeah. what what was your childhood? Uh, well, I grew up in England, um, but my par- uh, so my mother um, studied ch- child language acquisition under Noam Chomsky, and so I was basically her guinea pig. And uh, even though we were in London, I wasn't allowed to speak any English at home, and she really strictly reinforced this. So it was kind of like my survival was based on speaking Japanese. So I was able to learn Japanese at a pretty proficient level, even though I wasn't living in Japan. Um, and uh, which was really lucky because when I went back to Japan, I was kind of a few years behind, but you know, able to catch up. Um, and uh, I think a lot of like bicultural kids, third culture kids, they go to international school, whereas I went to a local Japanese school. So I kind of grew up with the full Japanese education and everything, which has really helped me now um, as a translator and stuff like that. So you, you actually use the term third cultural on your website too, and I'd never heard that term before. Maybe it's my complete ignorance, but so what is third cultural exactly, a third cultural kid? Third culture kid is kind of a term that's thrown around for kids who have uh, bicultural backgrounds who don't quite belong to one single culture. They tend to be bilingual, sometimes trilingual. They tend to go to international school. Uh, they tend to have identity crises, crises <laughs> <laughs> in their oh, teenage you, you years. Fit, you sit right at home in theater, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why you resonate with all the outcasts in theater or in the stories of theater. Um and uh, yeah, I think even uh, you, you could be growing up in a single culture, but you know, if you if you grow up in ethnic minority, for example, um, I think a lot of times uh, you're 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 projected a, an expectation to represent a certain a certain culture, especially if you're like Asian or any kind of like minority culture that isn't actually African American, but is kind of like people perceive perceive you as fresh off the boat, and so then you feel this pressure to represent this culture that you're not actually of. 
And so, I mean, I think there are many different kinds of third culture kids, but um, it's kind of like when the culture isn't just given to you, but like you're looking for it and you kind of find your own sense of identity, you cultivate it by yourself. That's kind of what it means. Well, do you, do you have, uh, I guess your own, of course you have your own self of sense of self-identity, but how, what do you identify with? Cause I, I, I mean, looking at you right now, I am, I am a white male who presents very much as Caucasian. If I get very bushy beard, I can. I've been cast as Middle Eastern once or twice, um, which probably wouldn't fly now. Who knows? But um, for <laughs> you, like I, if you were like, I'm Korean, I'd be like, OK. And if, if you said I'm Japanese, I'd say, uh, OK. And but if you were like, I'm American, I'm like, OK, you know. Right. So how do you identify at this point? Because I guess you said you were born in grew up in London or were you born in London? I was born in London. Uh, OK, so you so you are a British citizen. I am. However, uh, because I only lived there until I was 10 and um, I guess, you know, everyone who speaks English in America speaks with an American accent. And then I've lived in the United States for so long that I've lost that part of my identity. I don't really identify as Brit British and more of a New Yorker, I guess. Um, on the Asian side, my mother is Korean Japanese, but she's third generation Korean Japanese. And the historical context here is that Japan had colonized Korea for 37 years, starting in 1999 until the end of the war, Second World War. And uh, a whole bunch of Koreans migrated to Japan and kind of laid their roots there. And then there's a whole movement of going back to Korea after uh, the liberation of Korea. And of course, the Koreans in Japan had to pick between the North and the South. And now we know who made the right choice. But at the time, people <laughs> had no idea. They all looked like good prospects. Um, but then a bunch of them stuck around in Japan. And my family is of that uh, demographic. Um, it, we consist of about 0.05% of the population. So uh, one in 200 people, I guess, is of Korean descent in Japan. And uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a substantial, substantial number of us. Obviously, everyone's pretty much like mentally Japanese, but Japan isn't a country that allows citizenship just by being born there. So a lot of them actually retain their Korean citizenship, even though they're third, fourth generation, which is kind of crazy. I didn't know that. I, I guess I just sort of naively assumed that wherever country, whatever country you were born in, that's what citizenship you got associated with. And then you could also apply or get citizenship of your parents later on in life. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of... Well, world... I think in America it makes sense because America is a country of immigrants, right? Minus the Native Americans, but Japan is <laughs> yeah. a country, it's a homogenous country that's already had have their you know population there. They're, the country wasn't built upon people arriving into the country, so the, the majority don't have an incentive to, to, to hand out citizenships to. And, and also it's a, it can be xenophobic too. Yeah, I can see that. Well, bringing this back to theater, then you've you've come here, you moved to New York, and actually fulfilled. I was reading that you got your college graduation ceremony. You dove into a conservatory program, et cetera, et cetera. Completed your curriculum on a tourist visa, yes. which I guess we're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> you dug deep. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I already got my artist green card now, and I'm. Uh, applying for citizenship soon. So I think I'm in the clear. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I just didn't want to waste time. So the tourist visa allowed for up to a year. And so I just went to school. I didn't even tell the school. <laughs> 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 they had no idea. And then was it was it sort of uh, uh, 
kind of a no-brainer to stick around New York for a while? Or I guess when were when was this in the timeline of the original production of Rent in Japan? Oh, I see. I had done Rent, and this was my first theatrical professional production amongst a bunch of uh, professional actors. And actually, well, it's Rent, so they had some non-actors too, singers and such. Um, however, I think the experience for me, I got through it, but at the same time, I was like, I need training. If I'm going to survive in this business, I have no idea what this is about or how to act and <laughs> all this stuff. I'd only like taken snippets of conservatories in the summer and stuff. And so after Rent, I decided that I was going to dive into um, acting school. But I had to finish college first in Japan. So I did that. And then I went to acting school. Uh, so after Rent, I didn't do any produ professional productions for about three years. Um or longer, I think. And then while I was in school, I got an offer for an original Frank Wildhorn musical in Japan called Mitsuko, um, which was about the first Japanese lady who married a foreigner back in the late 1800s. She married an Austrian aristocrat. Um, of, And then they had seven children, of which the second child, who's half Japanese, half Austrian, became the founding father of the European Union, hmm. <laughs> which people don't know about. But the person who founded the European Union was half Japanese. So I played wow. that role. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, sorry, going back to your question. So yeah, then I went to acting school. And then there was a showcase. And then I guess I got an agent there. And then that was how I sponsored my visa. What did you get? What did you get your degree in in, in Japan? Because you said you, you finished your college degree in, in Japan, right? Just liberal arts. So you just just your standard, your standard yeah, hand wavy, hand wavy, bit liberal of everything. Art bit yeah. of literature, a bit of theater studies, art, you know, history, international uh, politics, <laughs> business. That's so that's cool. Okay, so then you come you come here, but then in looking at your resume, you've done you've done good work here in the U.S. You continue to work in Japan, and like I guess taking it back to these to these videos you've translated it. Um, it looks like now you're building sort of a reputation for being able to do this, which we'll get to in a second. But at what point were you like, oh, I'm just going to take, you know, my shot and Helpless from Hamilton and just like translate them into Japanese and then make music videos out of them? Um, I think, well, uh, having done a, a couple of shows in Japan, I always... I wasn't always fully satisfied with the translations that I was given, that I was working with as an actor. Um, I remember one show, I'm not going to name it because I just don't want to, you know, throw people under the bus, but um, I submitted something like 10 to 12 pages of uh, requests to amend this, the, the, my lines, um, which is a lot. They basically, I made so much noise. I was like, this, the translations suck. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> but I was like, it doesn't reflect the original intention, which really, really bothered me because it was such a good show um, that they dedicated a whole day. Basically, they stopped rehearsals and they like dedicated a whole day to do a roundtable to just go through the entire script um, with the translation suggestions that I And so, you know, like since back then, I was like, I, I want to actually see if I can actually do it. Uh, since, you know, I'm, I can't, I, it's easy to criticize other people's work, but you know, can you actually do it? Like that was something that I actually, uh, hadn't tried and, you know, wasn't quite confident about. Um, and then, you know, Hamilton came along and, uh, I was like, fuck it, let's do it. 
<laughs> I had a I had a solo show coming up, so the stakes were really low. Um, it's you know somewhere where you can just experiment, do things. Um, and uh, I'd gone in for Hamilton uh, in the U.S. for over ten times, and so I had a lot of practice in English, and I, I you know starting to understand. Uh, the emphasis that that need to be met, the cadences, all, all the kind of lyrical nuances that need to be honored were kind of really kind of sinking into my body, and so it just felt it felt like a good moment to just see what would happen if I did it in Japanese. It, it's really fun for me to 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 watch the videos because I was telling you before we started recording that I took three years of Japanese in high school that I can't really remember anything. I can't remember any of it anymore, but. The, the of course one of the great parts about Hamilton and and just like any song in any well-known show is the rhythm of the words is is as much I mean it, it drives the song as much as the words and as much as everything else right so you've got to get that right and when I'm listening to your versions of Lin-Manuel's expert verses I don't feel like I'm losing anything when it comes to to the to the uh, the musicality of the numbers, if that makes sense. Wow, thank you for saying that. And and well, you're welcome. And the comments that I was reading too in the YouTube videos, and for those listening, uh, we'll have the links to watch the videos in the show notes for this episode. So make sure to go watch them. Um, but a lot of the comments were very similar, it, especially for um, I think it was for Helpless. It was like, oh, the translations are awesome. The rhythm is great, especially when when Hamilton comes in. You know, when you come in <laughs> and. And it was, it's really, really cool to me. And I cannot imagine, I don't discount how hard it was to probably get that right. Because when you're translating it, uh, I assume that there's no direct translation to a lot of the way that, you know, the way Lynn puts end of one word as the beginning of the next, you know, translating that to a different language has got to keep you up all night. Yeah, it's... um it's like a puzzle, honestly. I really, really enjoy it. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be doing. It. I've finished uh, about three fifths of the show now, and um, I just kind of like do it on my spare time because it's. Uh, I learned so much from from doing it. I guess uh, it's really, really, really exciting to to listen to it into Japanese, um, and and to. I don't know, like find out that it works <laughs> just just because like i love like my life one of my life missions is to bridge japan and the u.s and like for example I've, i co-founded a company called broadway in japan where we would fly in broadway directors choreographers um actors to do workshops for japanese aspiring musical theater kids and it's just something that gives me a lot of joy um and i think uh Musical theater is huge in Japan and it's still growing, but rap musicals are not there. I I don't I don't think that rap musicals have been transferred to Japan in the way that we experience them here. And uh, I think what's essential is the wordplay. It's the it's it's the enjoyment that you get from hearing the the lyrical just complexity, but then. But also the audio, auditorial joy that you get from these nouns and these syllables that are just kind of overlapping, and it's just like it's it's ear candy, right? Like, I, and uh, Japan isn't like traditionally a rhyming culture, um, although 
way back when, when they used to write haiku and tanka, uh, it was. But in kind of contemporary pop music and whatnot, rhyming isn't really emphasized. In rap, it is, but that's not as mainstream as it is here or expected of uh, when people translate lyrics into Japanese, especially for musicals. So it's kind of like introducing a new concept. That fascinates me. And I feel like you could you could become this expert university teacher or something, just <laughs> a professor <laughs> teaching how to how to <laughs> rhyme and wordplay in Japanese. Um, I mean, none of, none of this is, you know, official, though, like none of, none, of, none of it's like officially sanctioned or anything. So like it's I, it's all I know. But there, I, I mean, there's got to be in the back of your mind, there's got to be something like maybe Lynn's going to notice this and call me up and say, like, hey, man, I'm going to license your translations because they're 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 that good i would drop down to my knees and just start crying if that happened (laughs) (laughs) uh no i mean they're good especially i like that you're continuing to do it too because you said you got three fifths of the show done i i I was thinking too another another great show that recent show six that has oh i was thinking about that so much good wordplay i was gonna say i recommend that next yes if you want to take a break and kind of go back into you know singing and less Mm -hmm. less rapping that would be um, a fun show to translate for sure. And I think the concert pop uh, uh, presentation of that would actually perform pretty well in Japan. Mm-hmm. Women's rights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women's rights, Depends K-pop, like or J-pop sort of thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That'd be good. That actually, all right. So there you go. You can take that idea. I give that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Dibs. So I actually wanted to bring up Broadway in Japan. So I'm glad that, that you brought it up a second ago. You you co-founded a company and you bring these great Broadway performers. I know recently you worked with Telly Leung and a couple others that you're bringing them out there to perform in Japan. And you've performed with Daphne Ruben, Ruben Vega and all these others. What What is, I mean, what was the impetus to do that, to bring Broadway out there? Aside from the obvious of what you just said of, you know, musical theater is big in Japan. Side note for those who don't know, the Tonys, not this year because of quarantine, but the Tonys are often are telecast to Japan. So yes, Japanese can still watch the Tonys live. But um, where did, I, I guess, now that I say that, it's obvious why you did it. But why has no one done it before this? <laughs> oh, uh, I, they have, they have. But I think it's an access issue. Um, there's really? A huge, yeah, there's a huge language barrier. Um Japanese people very much rely on, you know, person to person introduction for their connections. And I just from my observation, even Japanese producers at the top level, uh, you know, maintain one to two key industry contacts and they rely heavily on these to to connect them to anybody on Broadway. And um, I think, you know, my position and also, well, Broadway in Japan was my business partner's um, idea. Mayumi Ando, she was in Rent for six years on Broadway when it still was on. Um, we actually uh, don't do Broadway in Japan anymore. However, um, in that moment, you know, what we both uh, shared as a vision was um, providing access to all the amazing teachers that uh, New York has to offer. Um, I think there's so much enthusiasm towards musical theater in Japan, but obviously, you know, 6,000 miles away, there's the distance, uh, or is it kilometers? I don't know. Um, and then there's a the language barrier. And so in order to provide the master classes, the, 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 the 
really, really uh, uh, top level education that Broadway has to offer. You need you need that environment, and you need the translators, and and um, also you need them to be there. I mean, that's the thing about the quarantine is like classes on Zoom is just not quite the same, is it? Oh, yeah, not at all. Um, and you've also recently just participated in something 35 millimeter, a musical exhibition. Yes. By Ryan Scott right. Oliver. Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay. Uh, I lost a bunch of gigs, uh, like many other, uh, artists. Um, and, uh, I reached out to the producer who I was supposed to perform in the Japanese, um, original cast of edges by Pascom Paul, um, and I was like, okay, I need work. Um, I'm really good at this. I sent him my Hamilton videos. I said, do you have any shows that are coming up that I can potentially translate? And within like a week or two, he offered me the gig to translate 35 millimeters. And I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, I got, I'm, I'm actually really uh, happy about that because I, I don't know if 2020 didn't happen. If Corona didn't happen, I might not be doing that. It's, it's, a, it's a step in the right direction because I think, if I do want to uh, pursue translating and potentially, you know, I mean, the dream would be to translate Hamilton into Japanese officially, obviously, to start building credits uh, is is good for me. Are you getting known, are getting, I guess, asked more to do translations in general, though? I mean, I guess, is well, is the talent pool of translators a big pool or, or are you becoming this niche person inside, you know, a big pond or a big ocean, I guess. Uh, I think it's quite small. And I think that's, so I'm, I think I'm quite lucky in that way. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. And you've got, you've got such a, a, a cultural background that I think lends itself to do this sort of thing too, because as you were saying a, a little while ago, that it's about the wordplay and the nuances and all of these things, right. That, uh, if you don't understand the the context of the words i mean you can literally translate the word table to table chair to chair whatever it is but if you don't know why they're using those words then the translation i think gets a little lost right yeah so i think uh where a lot of translators stumble is um getting fixated on the literal meaning of a word whereas i think viewing uh, viewing lines or lyrics as uh, a function amongst a big story is is key to nailing the translations. Basically, what purpose does this line serve? What purpose does this lyric serve? It moves the story for, you know forward in a certain way. Therefore, a certain nuance or a certain information, certain sarcasm, you know, uh, has to be conveyed. Sometimes it's a statement that that that's actually a question, and like this would go over the head of a certain. A translator or you know I, like Japanese people have different sensibilities sarcasm doesn't really exist in Japan and so therefore it's better to change that into a direct statement there's just like all these little tweaks that you want to make um, and then take idioms that are American idioms or English idioms don't exist in Japanese obviously then you want to find the equivalent idiom in Japanese uh, so yeah um that, that, that is something that it definitely makes it easier for the Japanese audience to listen to it for the first time and for the meaning to kind of like f drop into their brains without them having to do extra processing. Because uh, as an audience member, when you're watching a show, there's so much information coming at you visually, auditorily. And so the simpler 
the more you can condense information into a simple form that is easily digestible yet concise, the better. And uh, I think that is the job of a theatrical translator. Why do you think musical theater is so big in Japan? Oh, um, I think Japanese people really like uh, cathartic entertainment. <laughs> like amongst musical theater, they also like, they love the tragic ones. They love Les Mis. They love Miss Saigon. They, it's like, um, I don't know. I think it's this like Japanese sensibility where they're very, very, um, they're, they're, they're quite like as a population, they're quite serious. Right. Kind of like the Germans a little bit. Um, so they like to kind of like go in and feel emotions and kind of like sit there and, you know, like they'll be really quiet in the audience and you're like, are they enjoying it? But they are, they really are. <laughs> it's not like America where people are like, Whoo! <laughs> And so, with yeah, Corona right now, they're even quieter. Because <laughs> I guess not to scream. Yeah, I guess. I guess looking into what you just said, I sort of pull out of it that that as a as a culture, it's a, it's a like you said, it's a quiet culture, a serious culture that maybe over time and traditionally has been inhibited. And so this gives them sort of permission to 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 feel whether outwardly or not. But yeah, I mean the same reason. The same reason why I guess anybody really identifies with something that causes them to feel or to empathize, to feel emotion, uh, it's something that if you're not normally able to do that, it gives you permission to do so. And, and like you said, it's a bit of a catharsis. Yeah, I think so. Um, I will say, though, the prime demographic for musical theater in Japan are females aged kind of 30 and onwards. I would say, huh. uh, I, I, I think that consists like 70 to 80% of the demographic maybe. Um, and, uh, I mean, like for example, there's, um, Takarazuka, which is an all female theater troupe in Japan and women play male roles and female roles. And there are male, they're all female, but there are male role stars and female role stars and they are absolutely worshiped by their fans um, to the point where, you know, they're, they're, it's like they're, they fall in love with these, these actors who are, who live these roles, uh, which is very interesting. Um, I think it's a form of escapism, which kind of has a negative connotation, but you know, it's like fantasy. It's, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, I, it's, it's kind of like, why do women like Fifty Shades of Grey? I, I feel like it's there's something in common there. <laughs> I see where you're going with this, see? and, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I, I agree with you. Yes, it's it's giving permission to do or talk or think about something that previously is a little bit taboo in your circle or your culture. I, yeah, I yeah, I'm following you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I get it. It's that romantic life that you might not have in your actual life. It's kind of the yeah, the, the, uh, so a lot of uh, the really romantic musical theater stories are, are pretty popular in Japan. They keep getting revived every year. Well, I like that. So you are in a unique position to have lived and worked in the U.S., in London, and in Japan. So do you have 
a preference or like a perfect place where if you were like, all right, you have to pick one place to do what you do, where would you be? Ah, uh, man. That is three very different cultures. Yeah. Uh, um, I can't really speak for London because I haven't lived there in a long time. <clears throat> um, I think, you know, New York is the apex of the business. So to make it here uh, is you know, it's still my, my biggest goal. And that's why I'm still in New York city. Um, I think the longer I spend time in New York, the more I have to offer whenever I go back to Japan. Um, and, uh, Japan allows me to kind of experiment with my bigger ideas, uh, because bigger opportunities are available for me in Japan. I like that. All right. So we'll wrap up this episode with the three standard closing questions I ask everybody. The first one is what motivates you? Oh, what motivates me? Um, I mean, this kind of sounds selfish, but just to achieve my maximum potential. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you got one one life. Well, yeah, one life, but maximum potential. But, you know, I think I can be very useful in certain contexts and I would like to match my abilities to the market in a way that maximizes everybody's happiness and also mine. Very cool. Okay. So the next question is what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Oh, um, stop being such a people pleaser and prioritize yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No All right. one cares. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last question here. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Well, there are there's shows like Spring Awakening I absolutely love, but if I that's the only show I, I watch, I feel like I get pretty depressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, in the heights, maybe it makes me happy. All right, fair. Okay. Yeah. So um Stick around, everybody listening, stick around to the end of the episode and we'll play against versions of My Shot and Helpless in their entirety. And then again, check the show notes if you want to watch the video versions of them. They're amazing. And where can we find you on social media? At Ken Partenshin. You can find me online at thetheaterpodcast.com, on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast, on facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. And again, thank you so much for this fun conversation. I've never had a musical theater multicultural translator before. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. シャーが筋トレに行くぜ自慢じゃないけどやばいんだぜ俺ズロメ席育ちは貧乏目立とうとさけぼうとしても誰も聞いてくれない俺は剣石だダイヤになる言葉の力で上に押し上がるんだたった
植民地特にイギリスには有益ビビりすぎてマジ自立できない生き死に搾取されまくりジョージ賛成の小遣いのために独立が許されるはずはない革命は間違いない痕跡台本に主人公の場入り教科書に現れればびっくりこの命も惜しくないいや本当にぶち上がるつもり人生棒に振るもんか人生棒に振るもんかアメリカのよう生まれたての貧乏人生棒に振るもんか人生棒に振るもんか人生棒に振るもんかアメリカのよう生まれたての貧乏人生棒に振るもんか繰り出すんだ王様ができないウハンスはムセフジョティアジョティアただし圧音は状態怪我したら相手は交代しました仕立て闇なら間クレイジーなお前らマジがバイなや独立戦争そのものがチャンス仕立て上げるぜ階級とパン甘なめけしゃ奴隷制がはばかり自由の国とかマジなばかり生きるか死ぬか大一番気上位で攻める黒の騎士団ワンシャおバカたち声を下げて目指してるものは俺も兼ねて同じ悔いなく生きたい気をつけないと長いと出る悔い打たれるぞバー見てみろミサラファイエット生かしてんだろパンツおしゃれよ君も好きだよみんなで作戦計画立てましょう神がこんな俺らを集めたちょっくらこの社会のあり方すら変えてみせるぜ奴隷制廃止論じゃ玉装填したらどんなもんじゃ喋りすぎかなたまらない気持ち口が止まらないマジ初めてこの街でできた友達ガチのせろお立ち台人生ポニフルモン人生ポニフルモンかアメリカのよう生まれたての貧乏人生ポニフルモンか I am not gonna wait my shot 人生ポニフルモンかアメリカのよう生まれたての貧乏人生ポニフルモンみんなでさあわわへいほほほほ死について考えすぎてまるでメモリーいつ来る俺に眠りすぐこの先に見えたら逃げるか受け入れるべきまるで聞こえないメロディー死ぬと思ってた二十歳にかのふるさとみんな若字に人生生き急ぐ理由それは授かった時間がごくわずかだから待ったこの瞬間こそムーブメントなのに人が足りないのは偶然銃で光線流す敵の地目指すはモーセ約束の地で独立勝ち取れば末裔の繁栄が結末かそれか逆襲のサイクル学習せずぐるぐるっと繰り返す街ででも地に染まれても独立のためでも国も樹立してても機能してない経済構造国の定義はどんな状況期待裏切るぐらい世界変えたい待ってられない甘んたれてない犠牲と悲しみを見てきた初めて夢見るぜ明日 And I'm not 
我没有我慢強さと大学の単位とこの図の王本当君の家族に救われた手際味方ジェリカには食らいつかれた体調俺の愛は増しぐらハーレムで始めよう二人暮らし子供の時からずっと一人だった手手なしママは死別ワイルド
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.